we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for December 24th, 2012. And next report is entitled, Eric Holder, Obama to propose to use executive orders to impose new gun control laws. I didn't want to just quote one source regarding all this. I want you to understand there's been a slew of reports that have come out since the Sandy Hook shooting indicating that the Obama administration is going to, I mean, this is the main thing that they're focusing in on, uh, is going to be focusing in on, I believe, particularly in the month of January that we're going into. Holder, who is traveling to Newtown, Connecticut today, said they are considering their options on executive orders. So basically, just like law by decree, essentially. Uh, is, is what they're talking about here. <clears throat> Dictator law by decree. These options, okay, so he says, quote, those options will have to include a strong and robust Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives, the chronically underfunded agency that enforces gun laws, he says. So in other words, they're going to have to beef that, uh, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms up in order when they and I'm assuming that they're going to try to confiscate some level of guns here, they need to obviously beef up that section of law enforcement in order to uh, implement their draconian agenda. So that that is the same Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives that ran Operation Fast and Furious, in which the U.S. law enforcement allowed drug cartels to purchase weapons in this country and then smuggle them into Mexico. Now, this has all been proven. Our government did this. They allowed drug cartels to purchase weapons, and I mean, these are the, you know machine guns and things of this nature, in this country and smuggle them into Mexico, where they were then used to kill thousands of people in Mexico and at least one Border Patrol agent named Brian Terry. Okay, that was the fruit of this. Our government did this. Even with the expo- and I've reported on this in the past, even with the exposure of the disastrous Fast and Furious program, Attorney General Eric Holder has used the program as a reason to call for more gun restrictions, even though they created it to begin with, and it was all by design to take away our gun rights. They create the problem, they create the influx of guns into Mexico, it causes tons and tons of, of deaths and casualties, and it gives them, hey, see, we, we need to have more gun control. It's, it's absolute insanity. The American people need to demand the truth about Fast and Furious scandal, even though it's really come out, before allowing Eric Holder and the Obama administration, a.k.a. Satan, to take one more step toward the issuing of executive orders to further their gun control agenda. You know, it's like giving a serial pyromaniac a box of matches in a fireworks factory. What do you think he's going to do? Or an explosives factory, a dynamite factory. You, know, you think he's going to do good things? Well, this is what you're, you're, these people that are at the top are, are empowering themselves to do. They're being empowered to do. The operation was conceived to actually increase the American guns used in Mexican drug cartel violence. Evidently, there wasn't enough. So that the Obama administration could have cover for using executive orders to impose gun restrictions without Congress. It's all about bypassing Congress. Ruling by dictatorship, by decree. This is what Obama's really after in this next four-year term. Just ruling as a dictator. 
Now the Obama administration and Eric Holder have the Sandy School shooting tragedy to use to further their gun control agenda, and then all the other ones that have happened in recent past, too. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again, seems to be the mantra of the wicked Obama administration. Next report. Reuters calls for Obama to act as a dictator to ban guns. So the mass-controlled media is is basically making the situation ten times worse because they're, they are um, validating everything that Obama and his wicked minions are saying regarding this matter. They're validating it and act, acting as though anyone that doesn't agree with them is just, you know, a bunch of wackos. So here we have a picture of Obama sitting with a crown and a, a scepter. I think he should have an orb, too. I really like orbs. A scepter, an orb, and he's, a, he's on a crown. He's got a crown, too. So anyway, um, in the shocking article that seems to be completely uh, tossing the Constitution out of the window, Reuters announced President Obama's official dictatorship in a story it published yesterday, entitled... Even without Congress, Obama could act to restrict guns. End of quote. And there's a link to the article here, which everything that I'm talking, all the reports I'm citing, I'm only giving you, like, the most meaty, pertinent part of the story. This is like one of those rapid-fire bullet point reports that I'm doing here to try to cover as much ground as possible. But I'm only covering a fraction of each of these stores that we're going over. Okay, so if you want to explore it further, you can just click on the PDF associated with uh, December 24th, 2012 to explore more. And um, going further, it says the subheading of the story that Reuters put out, entitled, Even Without Congress, Obama Could Act to Restrict Guns, says, quote, Unburdened by the re-election worries and empowered by law to act without Congress... U.S. President Barack Obama could take action. Because he has won a second term, the story points out that, quote, Obama does not need to fear alienating voters who favor gun rights. And that he can, quote, press ahead without lawmakers to pass executive orders restricting our Second Amendment rights. According to the story, it's official. America is under admitted dictatorship. It's 2013, you know, 13 being the number of rebellion, we're really going to see Satan's rebellion rear its ugly head in this country because, I mean, the, the setting is so ripe for uh, what they're, obviously, it's so obvious what they're going to try to be doing in this next year. And um, uh, it's just, it's horrific. Next report, China calls for no delay on gun controls in the U.S., the state news agency in China, the official voice of the government, has called for the United States to quickly adopt stricter, stricter gun control. So here we have Satan Jr. telling us that we need to adopt stricter gun controls. In the aftermath of the shooting rampage in the Connecticut that left 28 people dead, including 20 school children. And then the Chinese news agency said, quote, their blood and tears demand no delay for U.S. gun control. Again, spoken by the forked-tongued Satan, China. Um, Xinxu, which listed a series of shootings this year in the United States, said this. Anyway, suffered China, China suffered its own school trage- tragedy on Friday. A man stabbed 
22 children at a village elementary school in Hainan province, which was around the same time that the Sandy Hook shooting took place. An 85-year-old woman was also said, 22 children, and there was 20 at Sandy Hook. But this man stabbed them, proving, okay, we're going to have to ban knives now, too. You know, you could do damage, you know, with a uh, toothpick if you were creative enough. You know, I mean, where does it end? Where does it end? And this was stabbing, so I guess we're going to have to ban all knives. Bloomberg, next article, Bloomberg organizes celebrities to push for a huge gun grab. I want you to understand how real this is um, as far as the aggressiveness. I have rarely ever, and I've been doing this for quite a while now, I've rarely seen a more aggressive posture and actions being telegraphed and soon to be most likely taken by the government, by the media, by Hollywood over any one particular issue. Again, this is the linchpin for the coming genocide in America. New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, mayors against illegal guns, released a video Friday showing about 50 celebrities in 82 seconds urging Americans to demand a plan. And that means guaranteed the end game is total, total gun bans. The most asinine solution and will only create the problem probably a hundred times worse if the, if if it's implemented. I'm going to go ahead and play this for you. You'll probably recognize some of the voices, a, a lot of uh, tons of big stars in there voicing their you know satanic opinions regarding this particular matter. Columbine, Virginia Tech, Tucson, Aurora, Fort Hood, Oak Creek, Newtown, 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 Newtown. How many more? How many more? How many more colleges? How many more classrooms? How many more movie theaters? How many more houses of faith? How many more shopping malls? How many more street corners? How many more? How many more? Enough. 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 Demand a plan. Right now. As a mom. As a dad. As a friend. As a husband. As a wife. As an American. As an American. As an American. And you see how these satanic, demon-possessed devils just play on absolute emotion, offering no rebuttal to, like, everything that I've just said. What they're demanding is your destruction. They're demanding the killing of countless more innocent children. Because if what they're saying comes to pass, countless more innocent children will be annihilated, guaranteed. And again, statistics bear out, history bears out, it always turns out this way. So, we'll go ahead and continue this nauseating expose. As a human being, for the children of Sandy Hook, demand a plan. No more lists of names. It's not too soon. It's too late. Now is the time. Before we all know someone who loves someone on that list. No more lists. No more who they might have been. No more if we had just done something yesterday. It's time. We can do better than this. We can do better than this. 
it's time. Uh, the, the doing better is banning all guns. Like, that's going to stop this. It'll just perpetuate it. It's time. It's time for our leaders to act. Demand a plan. Right now. Right now. You! Demand it! Enough. 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 Anyway, that's that nauseating little piece there. Uh, so, uh, they're getting very, very, very aggressive regarding this. Um, they're, it's, you know, it's amazing how they, this looked like, um, to get that many Hollywood stars together in one thing to do something like this. It's almost like, wow, they really got these people together on board really, really quick. Um, after the Sandy Hook thing. I mean, they really, and again, this all is so scripted. This is all a very well, well well-oiled, coordinated effort on many, many different fronts to further brainwash the American populace into thinking that, you know, guns are, guns are evil, we just need to ban them and, um, go that route. So, next one, next story, Obama targets gun shows. During a news conference on Wednesday, Obama said that the majority of Americans support laws requiring background checks before all gun purchases. This is a direct reference to gun shows. Under the Firearms Owners Protection Act of 1986, individuals, quote, not engaged in the business of selling firearms are not required to conduct background checks on buyers or maintain records of sales. Michael Bloomberg, New York Mayor and rabid anti-Second Amendment activist claims that 40% of firearm sales occur either at gun shows or over the internet. Bloomberg's claim is based on a 15-year-old survey released by the National Institute of Justice, a development and evaluation agency of the United States Department of Justice. Again, they're going after gun shows, and a ton of people know this, and this is why, you know, we've got one coming up here uh, next weekend, and... um, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I was there last time, and I, I can't even imagine what this one would be like. As far as, I mean, just, a, I, I would almost guarantee a wait just to even get in the place. And it was really crowded when I was there. And that was uh, two and a half, three months ago. So I can't even imagine what it's going to be like now. Um, next report, U.S. lobby issues point blank, no on gun control. Uh, National Rifle Association Executive Vice President Wayne LaPere speaks on December 21st. Uh, the NRA, which was silent right afterward in respect to the uh, the families of the victims that were shot. Okay, I get that. I understand it. But the problem is, is that when you go silent, it looks like you're guilty. When dicks stop selling guns it makes them look like they were wrong all along to have done so. And it's like, no. No, we're in the right. We have the solution. All they have is lies. So you don't capitulate to the devil when he's screaming at you and wanting to jump down you know, your throat with both feet. You just don't sit back and say, oh, you're right, devil. I need to just shut my mouth. Yes, you could do it in a very respectful way, and you could do it in a nice way. And you can go, like the Bible says, to such a one in a spirit of meekness um, in regard to the families of the victims, but you can still uphold truth at the same time. Uh, the NRA, which is, and again, I'm not an advocate of the NRA. They're, they're way too 
backboneless on many, many of these issues regarding the whole firearms thing. I, I'm not a member. I'm a member of Gun Owners of America. They actually have a backbone, okay? Um, and I'm not a member of very much stuff, okay? But that's one I've been a member of for a while just because they actually take a very proactive stance to prevent a ton of the, the draconian gun laws from being enacted. They send me a thing every month, and it's got, like, pre-done little postcards that you basically tear off. You can put a little postcard stamp on it. You sign your name on it. You send it in. Every time you do that, it counts for I don't know how many votes because very few people will actually send something in. Uh, it counts for as many people in their, their voter base. So what you're doing is you're fighting, you're trying to stem the tide of evil by doing so. That's why I do it. I'm not doing it because I want to get into politics or this or that. I am trying to let the Illuminati know that there are people that, that I mean, again, I've said this before, but the Illuminati will always gauge the public's reaction to know if they are ready to push further the next draconian agenda. If there's no public reaction to something, that gives the Illuminati the green light to further go forward with their draconian things. If there wasn't for people pushing back in prayer, in in um, letter-writing campaigns, calling their congressmen, these types of things, guaranteed they would have had their agendas uh, swept through in this country most likely decades ago. I mean, they really wanted 1984 to be reality. George Orwell. They wanted this to happen by 1984. So obviously, their plans haven't you know, worked out like they wanted to, and the Lord's been merciful and given us more, more time here. Um, so, anyway. Um, the NRA, the most powerful gun lobby in, in the United States, ruled out any support Sunday for greater regulation of firearms or ammunition magazines after the Sandy Hook Elementary School massacre. I, I'm glad. They're doing this. I'm kind of surprised because I thought they were going to come out with some wishy-washy thing getting in bed with these devil politicians. Okay, I, obviously, no, I don't think they've carried it far enough. Uh, their stance uh, over the years, I could have cited many, many things, but I am glad they said that. Wayne LaPerry, the executive vice president of the National Rifle Association, said planned legislation to outlaw military-style assault weapons in large-capacity magazines was phony and would not work. And he's right. He repeated the NRA's call to place an armed guard in every school. And I don't agree with that. Because then it's like, okay, let's, let's... And again, this may be part of their Big Brother thing. Oh, an armed guard? Like some kind of police? I mean, that implies some type of... of um, almost... Is it some type of federal, military presence? Where does that all end? I mean, how do you do that in every school and not get the government involved? I mean, you hire private security? Uh, I doubt it. It's good, most likely because they're government-run schools you're typically dealing with here. They're going to be... So I'm not for that at all. I'm for arming the faculty. Those that want to be armed. You know, in a school, I think a certain... I mean, it would dictate on how many kids are in the school. I mean, certain amount of, you know, a thousand... Uh, children or teenagers or whatever needs to have X amount of employees with concealed weapon permits that are trained in how to use them. And I would almost guarantee you right now, with what has went on, I would think there would be a lot of teachers that wanted to do that. Who wants to be a sitting duck sitting in there? Nobody's on in school. Gun-free zone. You're never knowing when when that when Mr. Uh, psychopath satanically possessed of the toenails is going to come in the door and start, you know, mowing everybody down. Don't you think that would be kind of a a, um, uh, 
a motivational factor for having people with concealed carry weapons and not only that, then protecting the innocent lives? I would think it'd be a huge motivating factor for the average person, you know? So um, he's saying the NRA's called a place an armed guard in every school. I don't agree with that. One armed guard in a, let's say, a school of one or 2,000, what's that going to really do? I mean, he could come in from the other end and still carnage. You need to have people where a person that's coming in, you know, if they know who, if there's one guy in the building, and he's wearing a uniform, he's the one with the gun, they're going to go out of their way to avoid that one. Okay? And they're also going to know he's the one that has the gun. If people are, are carrying concealed, they're never going to know. They might not get three steps into the building and get shot. See, that's way more of a deterrent than having one armed guard for a whole school. To me. Because it's the element of surprise. It's the element of not knowing. That is why those statistics we cited earlier about the drop in murder rate is directly related to the increase in concealed carry for that exact reason. See, I can back up what I'm saying. They can't back up what they're saying. All they do is go on these emotional tirades they don't have any facts behind them at all. In fact, the facts are totally against them, which is what I get into here. And, you know, so they just have to try to rule off illogical emotion. Uh, let's go further here. Um, uh, NRA's called a place armed guards in every school and argued that prosecuting criminals, well, it's a little late to prosecute a criminal, like in Sandy Hook's case. I mean, what are you going to do? You wait till the carnage happens? And then fixing the mental health system. Like, that's going to happen. Fix it, what, with better drugs, with better pharmacia, sorcery? Give me a break. You know, you're dealing with a demonic issue here by giving them demonic drugs. That's going to work every time, you know. I mean, what's not to like about that particular solution? Um, But they're saying that, and again, this is why I don't like the NRA. This is just typical why I don't like them. Place an armed guard in every school, prosecuting criminals and fixing the mental health system. Rather than gun control, were the solutions to America's mass shooting epidemic. And again, I would, I would beg to differ about their solutions, but at least they're saying they're not going to support uh, greater regulation on firearm or ammunition magazines. Okay, here's the... Uh, oh, this is so sickening. Now we get into the good old... And again, I don't mean to blank, make a blanket statement about every single 501c3 corporate church. Okay, I know there's exceptions to every rule. But... Uh, um, that we're going to get into the um, whole thing with the churches in a little bit here where they are actually offering the gun buyback programs. And it's primarily going through the 501c3 corporate whore churches of America, which doesn't surprise me one bit, particularly in light of all the studies I've done on that particular subject. Before we get into that, here's an article, uh, Gun Enthusiast Pack Shows to Buy Weapons, and it shows it shows one of these gun shows that just happened after Sandy Hook. And I mean, there's, there's more people at these shows now than you can imagine. And they're buying up these weapons that they know are, there's a very good chance are going to be banned very soon at record, record rates. Gun enthusiasts throng to shows around the country on Saturday to buy assault weapons they fear will soon be outlawed after the massacre of school children in Connecticut. Uh, and it prompted calls for tighter controls on firearms. Uh, Reuters reports reporters went to gun shows in Pennsylvania, Missouri, and Texas and found long lines to even get in the door. Crowds around the dealer booths. A rush to buy assault weapons, even at higher prices, and some dealers were uh, selling out. This one was really amazing. Got this the other day. 
firearm supplier sells more than three years worth of gun magazines in just three days. Brownells, the world's largest supplier of firearms, okay, has reportedly sold three and a half years worth of gun magazines in just the 72 hours after the Sandy Hook shooting. Three and a half years of high capa- of, of the gun magazines in just 72 hours. That's almost unfathomable. People know what's coming. Brownell CEO said, quote, I wanted to take a minute to shed some insight on the magazine situation, if I can. Again, the magazines, which you put the bullets in and you put in the gun. Okay. Uh, a lot of people call them clips, but that's really technically, from a gun standpoint, not a proper term. First of all, I wanted to offer an apology for the situation. The demand for magazines actually exceeded the ability for the system to keep up with the volume that was being ordered. To shed some more light on the magazine situation at present, it really has been unprecedented in the last five days. During roughly a 72-hour period, we sold the average demand equivalent of about 3.5 years worth of PMAGs and even a greater amount of our Brownells magazines. Unbelievable. See, this is why I'm saying you got one swath of the country that is going in one direction like a freight train. And then you got the other one. Let's this is the Obama gun grabber and they're going in the opposite direction like a freight train. Okay, something has got to give when you have that. People are not going to go peacefully on this one. There's been enough people that are educated out there in the gun enthusiast lobby, people that are, are researched this subject, just doing a cursory examination of the subject like we're doing today, and you quickly come to the conclusion of what gun control is all about. And I, I just, huh, I don't want it to come to that. I am doing these studies so hopefully that situation could be averted or at least we would have more time to prepare. Okay, I understand things are going to get more wicked and worse and the Bible predicts that and true, all, all the above true. Um, but even if it's just to buy some more time, here's the next story. Walmart almost wiped clean of guns as concern amongst Americans deepened. The retail giant Walmart has sold out of guns in many stores across the U.S. As the beginning of the Obama second wave Second term years. I guess a lot of people aren't paying attention to what all these, all these devils like Obama and all these Hollywood stars and all these politicians are saying. Because if they were, why is all of this happening with the buying of the magazines and the, and the gun shows being swamped and, and the gun stores? I mean, like the one I drove by today, I couldn't even believe it. You couldn't even get in there. You can't get near these things now. I mean, you can, but you better get there early is all I can say. And you better be prepared to whatever you're going to try to get to be back-ordered. Because I, I don't think that, um, you know, you're going to be able to, a lot of times, go in there and buy what you want right now. And, see, this is the thing. If they were able to ban certain things in a certain period of time, if it was back-ordered, then you're just not going to get it. Okay, so this is why people are realizing this, and this is why people are going into these places. So, um, let's see here. 
<laughs> I didn't read the last part of the sentence. The retail giant Walmart has sold out of guns in many stores across the U.S. as the beginning of the Obama Obama's second term nears. Yeah. That, in combination with the Sandy Hook shooting, in combination with the Aurora shooting, in combination with the other things we're going to be looking at today, um, is a very, very bad um, equation, scenario. More importantly, this could signify the public's awareness that factions of the U.S. government and mainstream media alike have been hyping mass shootings in the rhetorical-like manner heavily for the past few years, pushing toward full-scale confiscation or heavy gun control policies at bare minimum. Walmart's recent sellout of guns could also signify that the people are not going to stand for the removal of their rights granted under the Constitution. I mean, do they really think... If people... People knowing this is most likely coming, okay, they make, they're, hopefully they're fighting this. Do those same, do they think those same people are just going to turn around and if they impose these bans, they're all going to just turn in their guns after they've went through all this effort and all of this, you know, to, and, and I'm sure that if you were to turn in your guns, you're probably not going to get anything in return. Or maybe you'll get like a $20 certificate. You're going to take, you know, guns you might have spent thousands and thousands of dollars on that, that you had to, you know, wait maybe to get or, or, or all these things that you've done and all the effort and time you've put into this and knowing that this is the linchpin for the genocide coming to America. And they're just going to turn around and just turn them all in and, and just go quietly. It wouldn't seem to indicate that. If that was the case, if people truly thought that, there wouldn't be this gigantic push to buy guns right now. I don't think there would be. There's going to be a certain... A, a large percentage of people that will not do this, you know, and that's why they're trying to get them right now while they can. So this is the next report. Uh, Gun owners of America defending your rights in the firing line. Barack Obama. This is an email I got from them. Barack Obama has made it his central priority to destroy us. I like how it starts out. It's, it's Larry Pratt. It, I've seen him speak in purpose on in person um, at a uh, Christian convention. I was at a while back in Florida. And, um, you know, he's definitely cut above way better than NRA. Way better, Gunners of America. So they start out by saying Barack Obama has made it his central priority to destroy us. Exactly. is what this whole report's about. And so many others that I've done. He and his anti-gun allies have billions of dollars to support from the TV, print, and cable media, Obama will start out by trying to ban semi-automatics, magazines, and gun shows, which is just what we were talking about. Okay, The very things that people are clamoring to get the hardest right now, which would make sense. But make no, But again, we don't know. If he's going to rule by executive order decree, he might just go straight for the juggler. He might try to go for it all. I don't know. The, the man's insane, and his handlers are insane. I don't know what they might try to, to do. I don't think we should even, you know say, well, that's all they're going to get to begin with. I don't know. But make no mistake about it, Obama's initial efforts to crush us will just be the first step to make the entire country a replica of Chicago, complete with the across-the-board gun bans and defenseless citizens. And, and we know how well it's turned out in Chicago with their unbelievable crime rate as, as a result of banning guns. Julian Epstein, which is what you'll always get when you do it, you can document that over and over. Julian Epstein, the MSNBC commentator, candidly revealed that the point of Obama's campaign was not any particular piece of legislation, but rather to, quote, break the back of the gun lobby. 
You can be sure of this. The battle against Obama, his anti-gun stooges, will be the biggest fight of our lives. Already, gun owners, owner, owners of America has been the most prominent spokesperson for the Second Amendment in the wake of the horrific Newtown tragedy. It's true. They have been. Roll Call, the newspaper of record on Capitol Hill, remarked that in an immediate aftermath of the shooting, quote, the reaction from one gun rights group, which is GOA, Gun Owners of America, stood out. The liberal Huffington Post trumpeted that, quote, Gun Owners of America steals Newtown gun debate while NRA hides. Again, I... Not real wild about NRA. It went on to say that, quote, what is surprising is that the GOA executive director, Pratt, is the only gun lobby representative willing to discuss his beliefs in public in the days after the Connecticut massacre. See, we, the people that are pro-gun should be screaming the loudest, not being like little church mice cowering in a corner like we're backboneless little whatever. We should be screaming the last because we have the solution to prevent this from happening, to prevent further deaths. They don't have that. All they have is lies and deception. Goes on to say, GOA has virtually been a solitary voice giving interviews all over the country and the world on behalf of gun rights in the Second Amendment. Stand with us so that we can continue fighting against the anti-gun onslaught. There's a link there if you want to see what you can do. They've got all kind of online letter writing campaigns. You don't have to necessarily join, but you can get on their email list and stuff like that. Uh, it's like 20 bucks a year, I think, or something to do it. As much as anyone, we deplore the efforts of the anti-gun zealots to exploit this tragedy for political gain, which is exactly what's going on. But if we hide in fear, we will have lost the debate and the legislative battle even before coming onto the battlefield. We cannot let that happen. I, I totally agree. This has not been without cost. We have received death threats against us and our children and hundreds of profanity-laced emails. Oh, but these are from the peace-loving, pro-liberal devils, you know, that want to take away our guns. Boy, that, that's a good sign. They sound like they would really treat us right if they were in control, you know. I'm sure they would never do any harm to us. Anyway, one writer said he wished our own children had died at Sandy Hook. Isn't that special? I mean, that's a hallmark moment. They're so full of love and, and these, these, these gun grabbers. I, it's amazing the love that I feel exuding off them. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but you know, definitely a hallmark moment. Another said he wished that all our GOA members would just put a gun to their heads and pull the trigger. End of quote. Again, I can feel the love. I don't know about you. You know, we're dealing with rational, um, peace-loving, righteous, upstanding people here. You know, but see, they're demon-possessed, a lot of these people, or demon-infested, bare minimum. They're of their father, the devil, of his lust, of his works they will do. And when they're not getting their way, it's so easy to see the devil come out of them. It's all so predictable. But when you stand up to the sick-minded, opportunistic people as we have, you can expect their true colors to show through. Yeah, welcome to my life. Because <laughs> that's... I deal with this kind of stuff all the time. But you know what? All it really makes me want to do is fight harder. Yeah, sometimes you get discouraged and stuff a little bit. But you know what? When you're on the side of righteousness, and it's obvious you're on the side of righteousness, and you're trying to follow the word of God, you, and, and, and again, it's so polarizing. I mean, anymore, you, you, it's so obvious what's evil. I mean, it's so incredibly blatantly obvious. You go back maybe 30 years ago or 20 
things may have been a little more gray. It wasn't as blatant and in-your-face as it is now. It's so in-your-face now, the evil agenda, that it's much easier, in my estimation, to point out that evil. You know, whereas before you could say, well, maybe that's not really their intention. Now there's no, there's no doubt. There's no obvious. The, the, the gloves have come off, which kind of makes my job easier. Going further, it says, so we need your help to keep fighting, and we need you to fight alongside us. Actions. And again, I'm not advocating Facebook. It was created by the CIA, just types of things. But it says, go to our Facebook page at Goners of America and like us if you haven't already. There are daily articles there that will keep you up to date on what's going on with regard to our gun rights. Also, their website, which I provide a link to. Um, please do everything to help us. Uh, there's a link to that. And then help us recruit even more gun owners on our free email alert list. And there's a link to that. So these are all things you can click on. Things you can do proactively that, you know, um, you can do proactively now to, to uh, hopefully stem this tide of evil. Next article. Obama vows fast action on new push for gun control. President Obama declared on Wednesday that he would make gun control a, quote, central issue as he opens his second term, promising to submit broad new firearm proposals to Congress no later than January. This is coming quick. Okay, and to employ the full power of his office to overcome deep-seated political resistance. In other words, rule by executive order, rule by dictor- dictatorial decree is what he's in reference to. Pray against that devil from the pit of hell. Get on your knees and pray against this wickedness that we see bearing down that will no doubt result in the genocide of millions and millions of people, not only in America, but worldwide as well. Meanwhile, now this part really warms the cockles of my heart. This is something really near and dear to me, this next part we're going to get into. Because I really see how the good old 501c3 corporate church whore is pitching in to help their father, Satan, do his bidding, and implement his agenda. Okay, so here we have, meanwhile, the 501c3 corporate whore religious leaders push congregants for gun control, sensing a watershed moment. Religious leaders across this, the country this week vowed to mobilize their congregants to push for gun control legislation and provide the ground to support for politicians willing to take on the gun lobby. Saying the time has come for action beyond praying and comforting the families of those killed. Now, we have a picture here. I can hardly stand to even look at this picture. It shows a picture. I'm just going to read the caption. After the shootings, the very reverend, the very, I'm telling you, this is his title, the very reverend Gary Hall, and Bishop Marianne Budd asked their parishioners to support four steps for gun control. Shows a picture of these two devils. A woman bishop with a priest collar on. And, I mean, you could just see the love of Christ exuding. They look like they are twice dead. As Jesus Christ described, whitened sepulchers full of dead man's bones. If ever I've seen two whitened sepulchers full of dead man's bones, meaning on the outward appearance, oh, they look all righteous and sanctimonious and, and 
and kind of fake holy, but inwardly they're full of dead man's bones. They're on their way to hell, and they are bent. Their agenda is to take as many people to hell as possible with them because they're serving Satan. Most 501c3 corporate religious systems in America, that's what their agenda is ultimately. I'm not saying you can't get saved in any church, but I'm saying these two guaranteed. Guaranteed. And this guy has the audacity to call himself very reverend. It reminds me of the, the Freemasons, how they have these unbelievably lofty titles. The most worshipful master. You know, and all these different disgusting blood oath degrees where you just adopt more and more devils and demons into you. Same, same deal, different day. So I, I had some, my, my teachings here. Reverend, an unbiblical human title. Reverend is used one time in the Bible. And it says, about God, it says, holy and reverend is he. It's not a human title. We're not reverend. You know, Paul said, oh, what a wretch of a man that I am. Who should deliver me from the body of this death? And that was after he was saved. And probably the greatest apostle that ever lived. (laughs) So, you know, for we are all together as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we we do fade as doth a leaf. That's what the Bible says. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. We're not reverend. Give me a break. That's a title exclusively for God. And this guy's very reverend. Oh boy. He's deluxely reverend. You know? He's the grand poobah of being reverend, evidently. So he thinks. Then I have another teaching here. Identifying false prophets, preachers, and teachers. A link to that one. And then... What can women do for the Lord? And I give you the biblical qualifications for being a pastor or bishop or deacon. And it always states in the Bible, in the King James Bible, that is the husband of one wife. Not the wife of one husband. It was such a foregone conclusion that women could not hold that office that it wasn't even talked about. Because it was... Totally assume you're the husband of one wife. You, you, it's a man. I'm not saying that to be chauvinistic. I'm saying this is what the Bible says. If you have a problem with that, you have a problem with what the Word of God says, not with me. Okay, I'm not saying to be chauvinistic. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying this is what the Bible says. I give you the verses in there, and you know. <laughs> anyway. Uh, a group of clergy members representing mainline and evangelical Protestant, Catholics, Jews, and Muslims. So that's that's good, because the Bible, you know, just so happens to say, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers? For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? If you're saved, born-again Christian, you're not supposed to be yoking up with Muslims and Catholics and, the, and p- th- people of this nature. No, no, you're not supposed to be yoking up with them. So a group of clergy members representing mainline evangelical Protestants, Catholics, Jews, and Muslims plans to lead off the campaign in front of the Washington National Cathedral, uh, apostate den of devils, at an event on Friday, time to mark the moment uh, a week before when the young gunman opened fire in a school in Newtown, Connecticut. Oh, I'm so glad they're doing their part for Satan. Dean Hall said in an interview... Now, this is the most reverend or whatever Dean Hall said in an interview that he and Bishop, Bishop, 
Marianne Budd of the Episcopal Diocese of Washington were calling on their parishioners to support four specific steps. Ban, bans on gun assault weapons, which could mean a absolute litany of different guns. Okay, High capacity magazines, which again, they don't want us to be able to shoot back with very many bullets if, if that ever comes down to that. And then tightening rules for sales at gun shows. Told you they're going after the gun shows. And then re-examining the care for the mentally ill because obviously they need more psychotropic pharmacia sorcery shoved down their throat and more Sigmund Freud counseling which will lead them nowhere but straight to the pit of hell. And the church here is behind it all. Isn't that special? I mean, you know, this is just wonderful stuff here. And then he goes on to say, quote, everyone in the city seems to be in terror of the gun lobby. This is what these devils, these fork-tongue, 501c3 corporate whore devils are saying. Everyone in the city seems to be in terror of the gun lobby. So they're liberal. These people would classify themselves as democratic, liberal clergy. Okay? Best one I've ever seen is when you have the clergy sticker on the back of the car and the gay flag next to it. That, that to me, is the ultimate. You know, and I've seen that before. I've seen that one many, many times. Gay clergy. Which typically you'll see that in where they'll actually come out and openly like put it in your face. Usually Unitarian Universalists. They're, they're, they, they've got to be the bottom of the barrel when it comes to any kind of pseudo, pseudo-Christian denomination. And I'm, I, I mean, I mean pseudo, I mean fake, beyond belief. So anyway... Everyone in this city seems to be in terror of the gun lobby. But I believe the gun lobby is no match for the cross lobby. Like the cross of Christ. Like he represents the cross of Christ. This is how deluded and warped and sick and deranged and vile the quote clergy have become in large part in this country. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, and lightness for dark and darkness for light. This is what they're doing. Woe unto them that establish mischief by a law, which is what we're talking about. They want our government to establish mischief or evil by a law. They'll be behind them, screaming, go Obama, the whole way, we're behind you. Take away their guns. It is so unbelievably sickening to have to report on this. The blatant obviousness of what is going on here. So, he says, but I believe the lobby is no match for the cross lobby. Yeah, like you, you, like you represent Jesus Christ in any way, shape, or form. Said the very reverend Gary Hall, dean of the Washington National Cathedral. You can just see the pride just dripping off this guy. Sanctimonious condescending, arrogant, soul-damning, blinding pride. Just like Satan, his father. What do you mean? Well, when Satan first fell, why did he fall? Well, it says there was a couple different reasons. Because of his merchandise and because of his beauty. He was lifted up, essentially. If you go to Ezekiel, it talks about the fall. He, and then he said, I will be like the Most High. I will ascend unto the sides of the north. It goes on and on and on. He wanted to be like God. Pride. I mean, you've got to be delusional if you think you're going to usurp God, who created the universe, who created you, Lucifer. 
You gotta be out of your mind, dude. Pride blinds you. That's why it's the most deadly sin in the Bible. Because there's no other sin that, like pride that will blind you. Because a proud person doesn't think they're, they're, that anything's wrong with them. He thinks he's right in the center of God's will. So does this you know, very reverend Gary Hall guy. And, and so does the Bishop Marianne whatever. They think they're right in the center of God's will. The pride of their office and the praise of people... And the satanic devils have blinded them. Proud people don't don't see it. Okay, a murderer knows he's a murderer. Bank robber knows he's a bank robber. Thief knows he's a thief. But a proud person doesn't see it. That's why it's so deadly. Because they don't even think they have a problem. So going further here. Uh, this was said, okay, but I believe the gun lobbies don't match for the cross lobby, said the very Reverend Gary Hall, Dean of Washington National Cathedral, in an impassioned sermon on Sunday that has become a rallying cry for gun control. You know what? I'd, I'll put this teaching against your impassioned, fork-tongue, lying devil sermon any day, Gary. Gare Bear. I affectionately call it that Gare Bear. No, just kidding. Anyway, so, what does the Bible have to say about this type of subject? Well, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 48.10 says, Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. If that verse don't fit him and his protege there, I don't know what does. Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. They're doing the work of Satan. That's the norm now, that verse. That's the norm for most, quote, clergy. I'm glad I never went to a seminary. They should call them cemeteries, because most of the time that's what they do. It's destroy your faith. Put it in the ground and bury it, if you had any to begin with. Tell you, oh, the, these, the, the King James Bible isn't really the best rendering. There's other ones that are much better. They, true, they're from corrupt Catholic manuscripts that trace their lineage all the way back to Alexandria, Egypt. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, they're perverted and warped and they were translated by two perverted occultists in 1881 called Westcott and Horde into, from the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus versions, which were two totally corrupt Catholic manuscripts into the revised version of 1881, which pretty much has spawned every other version that we got today. True, that's all true. And yes, they were high-level occultists, and they hung up people like Charles Darwin and stuff like that. You know, don't worry about that stuff. It's all good. It's all good. You know? And then they tell you, well, you've got to go to the state to get your licenses to preach. Huh, where's that in the Bible? Huh. Must have missed that one. I just don't remember Jesus or any of the apostles having licenses from the state, from Rome, to preach. No, they actually died for their belief systems. They died in mostly horrific ways, starting with Jesus Christ, going through all the apostles who died in a totally horrific way, save John the Revelator who wrote Revelation, who died on you know in the prison in Patmos. So, I mean, he didn't exactly have it easy either. And then you have the litany of people that have died afterward for the testimony and the word of God. It's kind of a big deal. You know? 
And then they'll say, oh, well, then you must go to the state to get your 501c3 tax-exempt status. So you can appease your parishioners, and they can write it off on their taxes. And so you can get state, state subsidies, and so you won't get any flack from the state. And yoke up with the government, which will give you your very right to exist as a church, as a church corporation. You'll be the CEO of, of that corporation, and your deacons will be the board of directors. But just remember, it's all okay, it's all biblical. Remember, we just have to obey the law of the land, even if it contradicts the word of God. Because Romans 13 tells us to do that. No, it doesn't. Does not tell us to do that. Not if it's an un- unrighteous law that goes against the, what the word of God says. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to obey what the word of God says. Not what the government's telling us to do if it contradicts the word of God. Did a whole teaching on Romans 13. I I think I even listed here coming up. So. Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. So this was... I, I said that verse after it said that they gave an impassioned sermon on Sunday that has become a rallying cry for gun control. The people in the cathedral then, in the pews, rose and applauded. They must all feel so smugly righteous and holy. Like, they're on the side of righteousness. They're on the side of goodness and uprightness. It so reminds me of Revelation 3. Which is regarding our specific time that we're, we're in right now. You can argue that, but I mean, if this isn't our time frame, I don't know what is. Under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, meaning Jesus Christ, essentially. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I work that thou were cold or hot. Black or white, essentially, you know. So then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of thy mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. And knowest that thou, in God's eyes, I I added that part in, thou art wretched and miserable and poor, blind and naked. That is how most people that call themselves Christians stand before God. And I'm not saying that because I think I'm perfect, okay? By any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying, as as a matter of fact, as a matter of uh, factual statement, particularly about American uh, people that would identify themselves as Christians. I'm not coming down my listeners, I'm just saying generally. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of thy nakedness does not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyesalve that thou mayest see. They're blind. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be there, be zealous therefore and repent. Now the Bible says in 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, which is what we're talking about here, speaking lies and hypocrisy, which is exactly what these this very reverend and bishop are doing, speaking lies and hypocrisy and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. If the blind leadeth the blind, the Bible says they will both fall into a ditch. You've got the blind leading the blind. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11 verse 3. Well, if, if your foundation, if you're putting your trust in the man, and the Bible says, cursed be the man, the trusteth in man, that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departed from the Lord, 
Bible's very, very clear on that. Well, if your trust is in a man, and that's who you're looking to for your whatever, then you better be sure he's following the word of God. We're not supposed to put our trust in a man, but in the word of God. These people are leading these people astray into a ditch and into hell for the vast majority of people we're talking about here. I mean, this is really that important. So the Bible goes on in Jeremiah 5.23, which also would be a description of this, these people. The same people that rose in the pews and applauded this demonic, these demonic lies. But this people hath a revolting and rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God. No, they don't know. He's the big guy in the sky. He's the heavenly bellhop to them. You know, he's the guy with the goodies. Give me what I want. I want it now and I want it my way like Burger King. Most of the people, that's how they would view God. Let us, they, they neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God. Fear of God's not taught. Oh, no, no, no. He's not a God of judgment. He's only God of love and peace, and he, he, he doesn't care what you do. You can live like the devil. It's fine. It's fine. You're all going to heaven. You know. So let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain both in the former and the latter in his season. He reserveth reserved unto us an appointed week of the harvest. Your iniquities have turned away these things, meaning your sin, and your sins have withholden good things from you. From among my pe- for among my people are found wicked men. And in this case, women as well. They lay wait as he that setteth snares, like a trap, they set a trap, they catch men. You know how we're, we're told to be fishers of men? He who wins souls is wise, the Bible says. Well, these are on Satan's side. Okay, if, if, if Satan can appear as an angel of light, the Bible says it's no marvel that his ministers can appear as ministers of righteousness, even though they're ministers of Satan. Okay, it's no marvel. That's what they are. They're hirelings that have no true love for the sheep. But the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. But these are hirelings. They're doing it either for the money or they have a satanic agenda or a combination of both. Usually a combination of both. Sometimes they're fully aware of what they're doing, like a Satanist undercover would be. Sometimes maybe they're not. Sometimes maybe they really think they are doing the Lord's work. But they're self-deluded. Their agenda, whether they will admit this or not, because they're wicked men, they lay wait and they set snares they set traps and they catch men, ultimately, to get them into hell where they're going. That's the satanic agenda. As a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Now just think about these verses and just think about those two devils that I just talked about here. The very reverend and the bishop. Okay, guy and woman. Their cages full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore, they are become great and waxen rich. And you could say, well, how come Creflo give me a dollar and TD Fakes and, and Benny Hinn and all these guys and, and, and Kenneth Copeland who has like his own airport and stuff. Um, how come that they're so rich and so prosperous if they're not serving God? Well, it says it right here. Their houses are full of deceit. Therefore, they're become great and waxen rich. 
They've gotten their riches through deceit. Sin is profitable for a season. You know, serving the devil is profitable, can be profitable while you live here on this planet. Okay? But just understand, (laughs) you might draw your last breath tonight, plunge into hell, and then you're there for eternity, and then you get cast in a lake of fire at the great white throne judgment. Not really a great deal if you ask me. I don't care what you got in this world. Nothing compares to that. It's not worth it. So, and if you don't understand the whole concept of salvation, go to contendingfortruth.com, click on the True Salvation tab at the very top, and listen to those teachings in that order. It'll walk you right through it all. Um, So, goes on the next verse. They are waxen fat. They shine. Yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause... And again, obviously, the judgment of this most reverend and bishop lady, their judgment's so warped, it's, it's, it's absolutely the opposite of what it should be. Yet they think they're in the cause of righteousness. So they judge not the cause, the cause of the followers, yet they prosper. And the right of the needy do they not judge. In most 501c3 churches, the thing that is the last on the list, the bottom of the barrel, if they've even got one, is the benevolent fund. Meaning the money that they would give to like the poor. Not every church, but I'm saying, I've been in churches, I know, that's pretty much uh, bottom of the totem pole. They're way more concerned about building a big church and keeping up with all the bills and, and keep maintaining an image and keeping up that 501c3 corporate edifice. You know, building these gigantic cathedrals, some of them, and these mega churches. It takes a lot of money to maintain one of those bad boys. You know? Back in the Old Testament, or in the New Testament times, when Jesus and the apostles went out, they just had little home churches and stuff. Didn't have any overhead. Could give that money to the poor, to the orphans, to the widows, and worthy ministers or ministries at that point, where the money should have been going. Not to build big structures and, you know... It's, it's, that's just a whole other subject unto itself. So, um, so again, they judge not the cause of the followers, yet they prosper in the right of the needy, do they not judge? Next verse, shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord, meaning he's going to visit them eventually, in a bad way for them, okay? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? So now it's taken it out of the actual, let's say, church setting, and applying it to the whole nation. Because as the church goes, so goes the nation. Which is ample proof. I mean, you have these mealy-mouthed, devil-possessed churches like this. It's no wonder the nation's turned into what it's turned into. If the church was being the pillar of biblical society that it should be, it would have stemmed the tide of evil to a huge extent, but it, it has abdicated that role. It's become part of the problem, part of the governmental corporate 501c3 system that will be assimilated into the coming one world religion under Antichrist and the false prophet. They're, they're going into that system. They're already on the train going down the track into the tunnel for that system. Some, I believe, will get off probably at the last moment. But that's the way it is. And that's why the church is powerless and inept and 
and why these things are happening and why here I am having to go up there and, and scream about things that are totally obvious from a biblical standpoint, pointing these things out, and most of the churches will just sit there silent and do nothing about this. Some will, but most won't. Most will say, no, we need gun control because Obama said we do. And he's the president, and the Bible says we need to obey the government and whatever they tell us, even if it contradicts the word of God. Because when did we ever start obeying the word of God anyway, other than the verses that we like to hear? <laughs> the ones that maybe tickle our ears, we like those, yeah. But other than the other stuff, we, we'll just leave that other hard stuff aside. Nah, we don't want any of that. So anyway, going further here, God says, shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord, shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? We so deserve judgment. We really do. I'm not talking about my listeners. I'm talking about as a nation. As a, with what the 501c3 corporate church has done. The pseudo-Christian sects. We so deserve it. A horrible and wonderful thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. That's the norm. Okay, the prophets prophesy falsely. And the priests bear rule by their means. Now, these two would probably call themselves priests. They both had priest collars on in this sickening picture you can view. They're doing it by their means. What does that mean? Well, that means they're kind of doing it, they're, they're ruling themselves not by what the Word of God says, but by what their heart tells them. You know, oh, all those... Children were killed at Sandy Hook. Yes, whatever the government says we need to do. Your heart, your heart. Trust your heart, it'll never fail you. The priests bear rule by their means. Well, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Oh, that's not a good verse. Yeah. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool? Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six. Hmm. Not good. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man? But the end thereof are the ways of death? Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25? Yeah. Hmm. But see, that's what you get now. You're not going to get the word of God. Maybe little snippets. But you're not going to get the full counsel. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. And here it is. The kicker. And my people love to have it so. They love it. And what will ye do in the end thereof? Not a whole lot. Except your fate, which is hell. For the vast majority. Vast majority. I'm not saying there's not exceptions to the rule in these churches. Or there's maybe not churches where there's an exception. But they need to get off that 501c3 train going straight straight into the one world religious System, I'm telling you, that's where it's all heading. It's just a matter of time. Jeremiah 14.10 Thus saith the Lord unto his people, unto this people, Thus have they loved to wander. They have not refrained their feet, therefore the Lord doth not accept them. See, these people love unrighteousness. They'll stay up and applaud these devils, these ministers of Satan, like they're ministers of God, what are you showing God when you do that? You're, you're showing God, I love to wander from you, God. I love to, to basically spit in your face. I love to trample the word of God under my feet. I love it, God. I love it. That's what you're telling God, 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 loud and clear. 
Because your actions speak louder than words. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And rebellion is as of the sin of witchcraft. Is what These are all Bible verses I'm quoting here. Okay, so they have loved to wander. They have not refrained their feet. Therefore, the Lord doth not accept them. He will now remember their iniquity and visit their sins. That day's coming. These are probably the same people that they're going to be first, uh, one of the first ones to round up and take to the FEMA camps, the death camps. Just because they're in a church, they will qualify them for that, most likely. I've done whole teachings on this on the 501c3 church, what it's being set up to do, yoking up with FEMA and Homeland Security, clergy response teams, it's all documented. Going to be the first one saying, you know, you need to line up when this pandemic comes, you need to line up and be a good little, a good little Nazi and take your state-sanctioned vaccination with Lord knows what in it. And you need to make sure that your family gets it. And when the buses come after you've taken your vaccination, don't struggle. Just get on the buses. They're going to take you to a camp for a few weeks. It'll be like a vacation. Turn in your guns too before while you, you come to the church. Because, you know, Romans 13 says, Obey the government in all things and never question it, even if it contradicts the word of God. It's what's coming. It's plain as day. Been documenting it for years. Not my, not my research, but what's plainly available and, and out there, and I give you the, the links to these teachings in a little bit here. So, going further here. So, therefore the Lord doth not accept them. He will now remember their iniquity and visit their sins. Then the Lord said unto me, this is a big one. This is really bad when it gets to this point. Pray not for this people, for their good. When you see open rebellion committed over and over and over by any group of people or person, there comes a time where the Spirit of God will not strive with man forever. There comes a time when you will be turned over to a reprobate mind, like Romans 1 talks about, and your conscience will be seared with a hot iron, like 1 Timothy 4 1 talks about. And there will come a time when you will lose the conviction to pray for those people. The Bible talks about this in Jeremiah 14, Jeremiah 7, and Jeremiah 11. It also makes reference to it in 1 John chapter 5, where it says, pray not for this particular sin. I really believe that sin is open, habitual rebellion toward God into idolatry and where you think you're serving God. Because in Jeremiah 7, 11, and 14, they thought they were serving God. They were baking cakes to the queen of heaven and thinking that they were doing a righteous thing, which is the modern day version of Catholic Mary worship. Yet they were sacrificing their children. God finally gets to a point where it says, pray not for this people. I won't hear your prayer anymore. Here's one instance where he says it. And he doesn't say it very many times in the Bible. Now I'm not saying that's where the apostate church has gone. I think a lot of them, yes, they're, they're there. And... That's something where, that's kind of kind of between you and God. I don't know 
where that line is when you cross over and you've truly been turned over to a reprobate mind and your conscience has been seared with a hot iron and God's done with you, the Holy Spirit's not there to deal with you anymore because the only way you can get saved is if the Holy Spirit draws you. It's the only way. You can't, you're just not going to come to God and say, well, I think I'm going to get saved today. You know, I think I'll do God a favor. Let him admit me into the, you know, family of God. It don't work that way. Okay? <laughs> you know, you need to, to, to come to God while you can. You know, while the Spirit's there, the Holy Spirit's there to convict you. And, and for your need as a, uh, of a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, man, when it gets to this point where it says, pray not for this people, for their good. Now, what are the qualifications here? Well, it says they have loved to wander, they have not refrained their feet, and therefore the Lord does not accept this. Does that kind of describe what most of the modern-day apostate church has gone into? They love to wander? They have not refrained their feet? Huh. Yeah, kind of does. The priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so? Yeah. Yeah, speak to us smooth things. Tickle our ears. We want to heap to ourselves teachers having itching ears. That's what the Bible talks about. We want to be deluded and deceived. That's a sign of this. So, I'm not saying where this cutoff point is. That's that's God's business. But I do believe it's obvious a huge majority or a huge percentage of the so-called pseudo-Christian church in America is already there. By their own actions. You compare it with what the Word of God says and why. It says, wow, that's eerily similar to what's going on in the church here. So this is how we learn. You know, you compare scripture with scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. Well, that's all we're doing here. We're just comparing with, okay, what's the modern day church acting like? And what's the word of God say? Huh. Well, that's that's not a good sign, because I'm seeing a lot of really bad confirmation here on this. And then the next verse says, when they fast, I will not hear their cry. They've crossed this line. They're done. They're cut off. It doesn't matter what they do. Once God says, pray not for them, he's done. It says, when they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offerings and an oblation, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword and by famine and by the pestilence. That's what's coming to the lukewarm Laodicean church, not just in America, but worldwide. And because they've abdicated their role to be salt and light in this world, which we're commanded to be, to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints, as the Bible talks about in Jude, you know, to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness and have no fellowship with them and make, make them manifest. Because we've abdicated that role and toward true soul winning as well. Well, that same church, because they've chosen to shirk that, all those duties, they have been and are being turned over to a reprobate mind. Their consciences are being seared with a hot iron and there's, there's coming a time and I believe to a certain extent it's already here where you pray not for their good. If anything, you pray for God to judge them now, and if there's any hopefully possibility of them getting saved, that that be the case. Because I know it's not my wish that they go to hell, not at all. But God's probably given them umpteen chances, and they've refused. They followed a man, or followed a book, or followed whatever some weird theology. They've rejected God. 
So they've chosen that path. Narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many many there be that go thereat. So that's the norm. Unfortunately, the broad way is the norm. I wish it wasn't so, but it is. So this is this is kind of where we find ourselves now. Their end, though, is hell. I hate to say this. It says, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by the sword and by famine and by pestilence. Now, the Bible says the goodness and the severity of the Lord leadeth thee to repentance. Now, it doesn't say that. It says that in two separate verses. One verse says the goodness of the Lord leadeth thee to lead, leadeth thee to repentance, and the other one says the severity of the Lord. Okay, so, in this case, the only way they would have any chance of getting saved is the severity of the Lord. Now, if they can do this, and act like the devil, and be lukewarm, and still think that they're pious and upright and righteous, what does that tell you? It tells you they're not saved. They're not saved. Why? Because the Bible says, of whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. Meaning, you're his kid, he can spank you. And if ye be without chastisement, then ye are bastards. What is a bastard? It's an illegitimate son. So you could think you're in the house of God, and you could think you're a son of God, or a sister of God, you know, you don't understand what I'm saying. A child of God. But you live like the devil, you have no consciousness of sin. Like, you know, you can do this and that, and it really doesn't affect you very much, and... You know, and I, I'm, I'm living like a devil and I must be doing okay because God's not punishing me. Well, that means you're not saved. Okay, because if you're his kid, he's going to spank you if you're in the wrong. He's going to bring you back. Okay, uh, through chastening. Okay, and if there's no chastening in your life, then, you know, that's a sign that you're not saved. Also, you can look at the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance. These types of things that a Christian should um, exude once they are saved and the Holy Spirit is living inside them. It's a whole other subject. But again, just some things to think about. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and end part two here. And we will go to part three next. So God bless you.